I'm Dennis. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Orderella, and you guys are listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I am your host. It's Paul Kemp, and what I'm trying to do with this podcast is to help you in your journey. Now, you may be listening to this as you are going. I don't know, maybe to a corporate job or to uh, work for, um, you know, a startup or wh- whatever it is, you know, you're doing. Uh, there, there is an an alternative option to uh, actually throwing everything in and 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 literally leaving your job. The alternative is to uh, start a side project or something to keep you creatively occupied uh, during your spare time. And we do have a lot of spare time. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, between work. Uh, there's a lot of downtime. And uh, if you wanted to do something really creative, uh, then I, I think this next guest is going to be really inspiring to listen to because uh, he does, uh, he's done something really creative in his spare time. And uh, we're going to learn all about it. So let me introduce uh, Dax Castro. Uh, his name is Dax Castro, and uh, he is the creator of uh, My Home Teaching app. And we're going to learn about that. He's put this app on a, a Kickstarter, and we're going to learn about um, how he got on and uh, and also his journey. So, Dax, it's a warm welcome to you as a uh, on the App Guy podcast. Hi, Paul. Thanks a lot. I, I'm really excited to be here. I hope that uh, um, I develop some good content for you that uh, can help a lot of your listeners. Well, just le- learning about your journey, I think, will really be helpful. And that, so, uh, how did you first of all come up with the idea for the app? Tell us a little bit about what you're trying to do with the app, the idea behind it. Maybe that's a good place to start. Sure. Well, you know. I'm a, a Mormon, a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we have a program called uh, Home Teaching. It's where uh, members of the church uh, fellowship and reach out to other members of the church. And it's a great idea in its premise, but uh, poorly executed, I think, uh, worldwide. And um, every Sunday we sit down and talk about who we home, home taught and how we did, and most people just kind of hide and and I, and you know, are ashamed of not going out and doing it or find some great excuse. And I was one of those guys, you know, I always had an excuse every Sunday. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. So I thought I looked up online, I thought I'd looked for home teaching apps, and uh, there weren't any. And and there were a few little like scheduling apps out there, but uh, nothing that really helped a person um, connect or keep track of how they were doing with home teaching. So I decided to create one. And that was really kind of the, the, uh, the spark of the journey. And it's, it's been a definitely a, a wonderful one with lots of uh, great insights. Well, we're going to learn all about those great insights. And I think the first takeaway I'd like to remind the apps to tribe the listeners uh, listening to this is that you are one of a few if you actually take an idea and then do something about it you know so many of us train ourselves to come up with these ideas but it's actually the execution of the idea as well as the idea that's the important thing so let's learn about the execution of this idea so you had the idea uh, it sounds great almost sounds like you've got a ready-made community there as well uh, and you're taking a real world problem and uh, trying to solve it with technology with uh, apps and uh, location uh, finding. So, so what did you do next after you kind of, I guess you spoke to a few people or perhaps, perhaps talk us through the next steps for you. 
Sure. Well, you know, the the Mormons, there are over 14,000, excuse me, 14 million Mormons on the planet. So you would think that there's a large uh, ready-made user base that are fairly faithful to the idea. Um, but uh, there were some challenges along with that. But but my first step really was to create some screenshots. Um, I started taking some notes, uh, creating kind of an outline of what I wanted the app to do, what features I wanted it to have. Uh, and then uh, I'm, I've am i been doing graphic design for over 18 years and uh, have a strong background there and was able to open some Photoshop and, and start developing some screens. And... Um, once I started going, it, it just all kind of fell into place, and I spent about three weeks, I guess, putting together a bunch of uh, screenshots and kind of thinking out what are they going to do and how is this going to go and what's really going to happen when they press this or press that. And uh, I took it to a few people and, and talked to them about their thoughts and uh, refined it a bit. And then uh, um, the next step was to shop it out to uh, several um, app companies who developed the apps. So that was uh, was an interesting experience because... Yeah, uh, yeah let's talk about that because yeah, sure. that, that, that actually was my most disappointing uh, kind of experience when I got into uh, app development. Because uh, I remember way back in, oh, it's probably 2010, uh, I came up with a, an idea to uh, locate uh, yourself within one mile of the retail uh, outlet and uh, provide ads to, to that re- retail outlet trying to get you to go in. Uh, I was just so excited about this idea and I phoned up uh, several agencies and every single agency told, told me it's going to cost, you know, 15, 20, 25,000 to start off with. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, as, a, as someone who's trying to bootstrap the idea, it, it can be kind of just a bit of a blow understanding how expensive it is to commit that when you don't even know if the idea is going to work out. So, uh, you know, we'd love to know, how you felt about the quotes, were they quite a high range? Did you go offshore? Perhaps talk us through that, that quotation part of once you got the screenshots to them. Absolutely. You know, it was, it was definitely similar to the experience you had. Um, one of the caveats to building this app is there are rules within our church that we cannot maintain an exterior database outside the church uh, with any personal records of any of the members. So the database had to stay on the user's phone. Uh, so that provided a little bit of a unique challenge. So as I shopped this to the various companies, the first challenge was getting them to reply. Um, we have about uh, six or eight major app companies um, in California. And I really wanted to try to stay local because um, being as my background is graphic design, uh, I have 18 years worth of horror stories about offshore um, development of websites and things like that, you know, companies here, then you can't talk to them for, you know, two months, they disappear or, you know, things like that. So I really wanted this to be a professional uh, project where I could reach out. And if I needed to pick up the phone and talk with the developers, they were there or they were down the road or they were in the next town. And um, it was hard just getting them to return my calls. But (laughs) (laughs) it's such a good lesson, actually, because, uh, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with very excited entrepreneurs who have come up with what they think is going to be the world's next WhatsApp or, um, you know, messaging app or something really exciting. And they just think that they'll pick up a phone and an agency will be jumping all over them, you know, and they'll, they'll yeah. be able to uh, get this thing built. And, uh, and and the reality is that then 
they, they get a load of quotes back, they're very expensive, then they start to go down the food chain in a way and start to think about offshoring to, uh, you know, one of the lower cost uh, countries, I mean, Philippines, India, uh, just to name two. Uh, and then you think, oh, it's a lot cheaper. Let's do that. I'm guessing what I'm learning from you is there's a, you know, we've got to be very careful and very mindful of uh, actually doing going down that route. Well, you know, when you you develop now this once I developed the 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 product the the idea for the app and and got together a good plan um, and I started down the road of Kickstarter. I, I wanted to make sure that it, my delivery was bulletproof. You know, the last thing you want to do is go on Kickstarter, raise some money, and then find out, oh, that's not enough, or that the company wasn't really sure about what you were doing, and all of a sudden, that $35,000 or $45,000 price tag becomes 55000 And, you know, you and I both know, if I had a cool 10000 sitting in my pocket, um, I <laughs> there'd be other things I could do with it. So, you know, I didn't want to be stuck. And so um, I was very careful about the company in which I chose. And in the end, the, the, the quote was uh, between 35 and 45,000. And they were pretty firm on that. They gave me a not to exceed quote saying, given what everything you've got, there's no way this is going to go above 45,000. Um, and, and so I gave them a scope of work and uh, an outline, and uh, we were pretty pretty well set. And that, that was really kind of the, uh, the, the first hurdle. I, I felt prepared. I felt like I had things going. And uh, one night I sat down and decided, you know what, I'm going to create the website. And I did that, uh, created the video and my social media campaigns and started on the next part of the journey. I mean, Dax, it'd be interesting to know, do you feel that you got a fair quote I mean, I know when quoting for uh, app work that you, if um, there's the likelihood that the funds are not there, which I guess, you know, being a Kickstarter project, it's not a guarantee that that work will come uh, to fruition. So there's almost a, you know, a, a compulsion to just uh, put your finger in the sky and just think, yeah, that, that should be around about it. Do, do you feel that that's a fair quote for the uh, app that you wanted building? Well, you know, that was an interesting conversation because several of the companies were hesitant in giving me any kind of quote. They were, you know, in that same realm of, well, when you fund this, let us know. And I'm like, but I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure that if I get enough funds or that I get the funds, it's enough. You know, again, I don't want to be, be, you know, short. I don't have a gap, you know. So um, some of them did just kind of give me a ballpark and say, yeah, you know, really, we we don't want to go through your whole outline. But but the two that did were the two that I I was more serious about. And uh, they sat down with me. We had a couple phone conversations. I sent them a PDF that had the outline of what the app could do, uh, all of the different features. I basically took the screenshot on one page and kind of made a little like diagram showing, okay, this button does this and this button goes here and that kind of thing. And um, it, it, it gave them a pretty good skeleton of, of what the, uh, the, the, the project encompassed. So they were able to kind of look at that. They said, you know, their, their answer to me was, boy, this is much more detailed than we normally get. So I, I assume they are used to dealing with people who just say, hey, I've got this great idea. How much is it going to cost me? Yeah, that's right. And that's the one thing we've learned from past episodes. I'm thinking the episode with Glenn Cooper, where we uh, spoke about the the more detail that you have in the uh, prototype or in the uh, wireframe, then the the better conversations you'll have with the developers. And uh, it's unlikely to go off piste kind of thing. But 
and so then you, you've got the quotes, you've got a good idea, you've realized, oh dear, no, now, now I need to raise $45,000. Uh, I'm guessing that you um, uh, didn't think about going down the route of angel funding or bank loans or family uh, money. You decided on Kickstarter. Uh, how, how did it go in the first few days, um, you know, when you started on Kickstarter? Boy, you know, walking into it, I was just this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. People are going to see my Kickstarter. They're just going to go nuts. Maybe we'll get funded within the first, you know, 10 days. And, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely an eye opener. Um, you know, the, uh, the first thing was how many days do you set the Kickstarter for, you know, and I did extensive reading all on the internet trying to, you know, I bought a few reports on how to run your Kickstarter effectively. And several said, you know, don't go the 45 day route. You want that 30 days, but you want 30 days of pre-marketing before you launch your Kickstarter. So I went down that road and I started putting money into Facebook and, you know, putting money into Twitter and started building that up. And, and I did, it was, um, uh, Hootsuite, which allows me to post a bunch of uh, messages in advance, was was a great blessing because I was able to um, schedule things, you know, a week at a time, and then inject daily kind of new news. And uh, uh, but I decided to go the the thirty day route, and it was um, uh, it was harder than I thought. It was definitely an eye opener. Oh, it's such a great lesson you're teaching us here, Dax, because uh, it's. For many of us, Kickstarter, I mean, I haven't done a Kickstarter campaign. I actually did put something on Kickstarter and the idea was rejected. Uh, just um, it was when it first came over here in the UK. Uh-huh. And uh, it just reminded me that because I was new to the whole process that uh, I wanted to learn, I wanted to basically have the best campaign. And so you do uh, read up, you spend money on information products, you and you get all this confusing um uh, data that uh, you know contradicts itself that I'm guessing there's nothing better than uh, hard uh, experience uh, in going through it than you learn from from, from when you actually uh, get out the other side you know I did read one report where the guys um, had launched several kickstarters and they said boy you know all of the things that we read there was nothing better than the experience of going through it and there was nothing harder either because you know it's your baby your very first kickstarter is that brain child you know it's that that initial spark that you think is just going to be the next you know um uh, i don't know the balloon filler the guy that made the 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 uh uh product that fills like 25 balloons in one shot and he funded in just three days and <laughs> yeah. made nine, $799,000 on his yeah. little idea to fill up balloons, you know, and, you know, of course we all know the pot- pot- the potato salad story. So, um, uh, we've it, got to be uh, very careful of this. And I remember, um, like, so for the apps to tribe listening right now, you know, this is an authentic podcast. We like to tell it as it really is. And I remember going to a, a seminar where they threw up a, a YouTube video. It happened to be the one with a stormtrooper doing a, a jive or some kind of a, a body action and they said look all you need to do is put this youtube uh, video up and look at this it's got uh, hundreds of millions of views uh, and of course you know when you're in tr- when you're trying to sell something i'm guessing you cherry pick the best things from thousands and thousands of uh, different examples uh, and you present that as as the information and uh, and i think it can be quite misleading 
Yeah, you know, I uh, I poured over lots of Kickstarter pages, looking at how what were the successful ones, how did they present the data, how were were they listing the prizes in the body, and did they show more pictures, or was it more of a chart, or you know, how many videos did they do, what was the content of the video? A lot of that, I did a lot of kind of data research on what makes a, a great campaign, and I thought, boy, if I follow all these things, it should be right, and I should get funded, and everything will be great. But, uh, you know, the biggest hurdle that I found was that um, people think that because you can go on iTunes or the, the Google Play Store and download an app for 99 cents or maybe it's 4.99 or, you know, even 14.99 that there's a relatively low cost in developing an app. And when I threw that $45,000 price tag on the app, uh, I received actually several um, emails telling me you're just trying to make money off people in the church and this is ridiculous, nothing costs that much and just really kind of a lot of negative stuff. And and so I had actually a pretty good battle in trying to um, promote awareness about what Kickstarter is and and, and what an app costs and, and why it costs that much. That was probably a good half of my campaign. Yeah, and ironically, you know, you're doing this with, with probably no money going to yourself uh, for the, all the hard work, all the screenshots, all the all the execution. You know, all that money goes to a developer, and uh, and you don't get to see any of it because ultimately, it's you know, you're doing it for passion. Uh, Absolutely, it was. Um, you know, I tried to tell people. I even thought of, um, you know, getting the quotes and photocopying and put, putting them up on the web so that people could see and. Uh, you know, because out of that forty-five thousand, I was making nothing and spending. I probably put about three thousand dollars worth of my own money into just marketing and you know development and things like that. In in uh, on my end, so not only was I not making anything, I was having a deficit. I, I I joke with my my wife. I said, you know, I almost need a Kickstarter campaign to to fund my the marketing of my Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this question: uh, Would you, uh, t- what would you think to doing a, a Kickstarter campaign on a slightly smaller project that maybe have has something similar? But use that campaign for the experience, build up the database uh, of, of interested uh, pledges, uh, and then actually, then when it's your real big idea, then you can go back to Kickstarter and try it again. But you're so much more experienced; you've got the, you know, the, the messages uh, all all synced up and s- scheduled out to go throughout the campaign. What what do you think to that? Well, that's exactly where I'm at right now. Unfortunately, our Kickstarter campaign did not fund. And at first, I was really disheartened about the whole experience and, you know, just really down on myself. And then I realized, you know what, here are the hurdles and here's what I've learned and here's how I can apply it to move forward. And I think one of the biggest things was people loved the idea. Everybody I talked to thought it was great, but it was not other than the screenshots and the video, um, there wasn't anything really tangible. Somebody, it was the first time I'd heard this, somebody called it vaporware. And it was a term I was unfamiliar with, which is basically a term for a great idea for an app, but doesn't exist. And um, so I, I decided that I'm going to, uh, and what I, it's what I'm doing now is I'm creating a web-based version of this app. So, and I can do that myself because I have a large background in web design. Um, 
I can create this and maybe I hire a, a, a programmer to do some of the database stuff. But again, it's all going to be uh, a tangible online thing that people can see and play with and use. Um, it won't save anything. Uh, but it will be at least a physical representation of what it is that I'm trying to do. And uh, I'm hoping that that's going to breed a little bit more trust within my audience and give them something more tangible they can kind of, you know, see. Yeah, yeah. But it's all about the prototyping, isn't it? And uh, what, I've, what, what I'm also learning from you, and I want the listeners to take away, is uh, the fact that even though a campaign doesn't get funded, that uh, the idea still lives on because it's you that's driving the idea. And I guess you just pick yourself up, learn from it. And, and as you say, almost pivot uh, into, um, you know, keep keeping it moving. Well, that's actually a good point. And um, I've met actually quite a few people along the way. Uh, I was contacted by a gentleman who runs another app, uh, a scripture reading app. And um, he actually develops uh, Apple uh, you know, apps. And so the, he's wants to partnership with me on a future iOS version of a couple of other different ideas that I have. Uh, I also met another gentleman who's selling um, other products that are religious based on our faith and wants to be able to um, network together with me uh, because I did build um, in the month and a half, well, in the two months that I was running my Kickstarter, I went from a brand new Facebook page to about 1,400 Facebook followers uh, and about 250 Twitter followers. Um, and, and, and that's a really great base because it's not – when you're talking about a niche market like a, a religion or um, uh, maybe just a specific hobby, um, it doesn't apply to everyone. And when you start marketing, uh, you know, on Facebook, trying to build that audience, uh, you have to be really diligent. And my 1,400 followers are are specifically interested in, in what I have to offer and what I have to say. And uh, I thought that was really beneficial because I could have just bought, you know, 10,000 in Facebook followers or 50,000 Facebook followers, but that doesn't really do anything for me. There's no real value there. But having 1,400 really targeted followers that are faithful and will reply and interact on my posts, uh, you know, it'll be great. And I'm, I'm continuing to build that list as I go. So um, I think the, that's probably the biggest benefit I have is all that legwork is kind of, you know, been done. And, and I want to continue to, to expound upon that. Well, you mentioned uh, earlier on that uh, you have several ideas uh, that we have two things to get through before the end of the show. What, one is that we love to uh, try to think about new ideas, uh, ideas for apps. We've got a bunch of uh, indie app developers uh, listening to this uh, who uh, are, they like the idea of uh, fleshing out uh, new potential ideas. So you, you mentioned a couple of ideas. I don't know. Do you, do you have anything you're willing to talk about, share uh, yeah, the, in terms of new ideas for apps. Right. Well, one of the big things in our church is being prepared for emergencies, disasters, earthquakes, floods, that type of things that happen. You know, And we have one of the largest welfare systems in the world. We have uh, factories and um, uh, production centers that produce everything from peanut butter to chicken to clothing to, I mean, just everything across the gambit. And um, being prepared for emergencies is a big thing. So I wanted to develop an app that would allow you to put in your budget. Say, I have $5 a week to save for my emergency preparedness kit. And that kit 
this app would be a smart app that would go, okay, tell me what kind of disasters will be in your could be in your area, and you would check maybe flood or earthquake, and then it would develop an emergency kit list for you, and and tell you, okay, this week you're going to buy two storm candles. And then next week, you're going to save that $5, and maybe you're going to save it for three weeks, and you're going to buy a crank radio. And it will kind of basically step you through your budget and buying these uh, emergency preparedness items a little bit at a time. So maybe over the course of six months or a year, you would end up with a really great um, a kit that you, you know that you could use during an emergency. I love that idea. And I think that almost you could expand that idea to – uh, almost uh, anything else. For example, uh, when I moved house uh, three years ago, uh, there was uh, like a, a almost a countdown of things that you need to do six months in advance, uh, four months in advance, you know, and it was like a list uh, and it was on the, the internet, but I could see that being very good on an app. And uh, and also, I guess when your, um, uh, your wife is about to uh, you know, is pregnant and you have nine months to think about all the things <laughs> that you need to do, like a preparedness app. You know, there's another example of a potential app that kind of gets you through the uh, the build up to the big event. So almost like a pre- preparation for a, an event, uh, whether that's um, uh, having a baby or uh, saving yourself from an earthquake. Uh, I'm not sure which one I'd rather be in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had plenty of babies and I've been yeah. through a couple of earthquakes. Yeah. I think I'd prefer the earthquake as long as I knew I was in a safe building. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I know from the pre-chat, you're a big family man with uh, a lot of children. <laughs> so that's uh, great. Dax, it, that's a great idea. Thank you. So anyone wants to build that, then uh, you know, you've got two potential uh, customers immediately here, I think. Uh, the final thing is that um, you know we, this is the App Guide podcast. We love talking about apps. Uh, you, you must be a smartphone user. Do you have uh, one or two apps that get you through the day that you could talk about? Uh, apps that maybe you, you think we may not have come across before. Um, well, there is one that I use uh, uh, on, a, on a good fair bit. I, um, the company I work for, nine to five. We have offices all around the world. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, everywhere there's pretty, pretty much a major earthquake, we have an office. Uh, we, I work for an engineering firm. And um, so I, I talk to a lot of people that maybe English isn't their first language. So um, I use Google Translate quite a bit um, and uh, have uh, started using an app. Um, and you're going you're gonna to kill me because I don't remember the name of the app. I don't have my phone in front of me. Um, but that's okay. Uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. Oh, we'll, it's um, Duo, Duolingo. Oh, Duolingo. Duolingo. Yes. Yeah. yeah I've actually Duolingo. got it. That's an awesome app. Uh, my kids started and, and using that. It. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Duolingo has been really great because I started learning um, a, a foreign language and it's been uh, a wonderful little game. And uh, my kids have actually started using it as well. So Duolingo is probably one of those little hidden gems I hadn't heard of up until just a few months ago. And, uh, you know, the other one that I use. Well, um, just on Duolingo, I think that's very relevant because this is coming on the back of uh, just a, a few weeks after um, the, the founder of uh, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, goes over to China. And there's that viral video of him uh, speaking uh, uh, Chinese or Mandarin. When it, uh, and uh, he, he does the whole uh, presentation uh, in the native language. And he's learned that literally over, I think, you know, a very short period of time. So uh, it's an inspiration that should inspire anybody to think about uh, using Duolingo or um, I think there's another app uh, that uh, or certainly a website called uh, Chinesey, 
Chinesey, and I can I could uh, write twenty symbols in Chinese. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I I lived in Korea for a couple of years and uh, learned to read, write, and speak Korean, but that was you know twenty five years ago. So um, I've used a couple of other different apps for uh, brushing up on my Korean as well. Language is so important. You know, our world is getting smaller by the day, and and we need to be able to be more global. So absolutely. And you had you sound like you had one more there, Dax. Oh, the um, the uh, the other app that I love is um, my police scanner. I'm I'm addicted to my police scanner. <laughs> <laughs> is that a real one? Is it? No. It, it, well, it it is a um, it's an app, and it, it um, you can listen to police radio pretty much all over the world. So if I want to listen to the the airport in Japan and listen to their police radio, I can listen to it. If I want to listen to what's going on in the heart of Detroit, um, I can listen to it. So it's it's kind of fun being able to reach out across the world and and listen to the the uh, the calls that come across the uh, the police band there. I, I love that. What an amazing idea! I've never heard that one before, but I, I, I'm almost. Uh, I'm almost uh, not tempted to download it because I can imagine that's very addictive. Well, you end up having it on, you know, you're you're in your car or you're at lunch and you're just listening. And, you know, sometimes it's in a foreign language. I love listening to the ones that are like England or um, or hey, not a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the 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 it's very fast paced. You know, you can imagine. Uh, yeah. I listen oh, to the, yeah, the, co- the Cockney. So the ones that are in English, but the uh, slang or the the uh, dialect is really exactly. difficult to understand. Okay. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and I, so, I, so where's I love... the biggest crime uh, point that you've come across from listening to the police scanner? Oh, I think Chicago is a big one. <laughs> you know, I listen, my, my favorites, I listen to um, our Chicago, uh, LA, and um, and then a bunch of smatterings of the the Japan and the the, the overseas ones. Just uh, you know, they're all in foreign language, so you have no idea really what they're saying. But uh, but it's still interesting to kind of try to pick out the little words and figure out if you can figure out what's going on. Well, I, I live in a place where there is almost zero crime, and uh, uh, the police have absolutely nothing to do. So the thought of <laughs> uh, just listening to some other places in the world and and being grateful for the fact that we've got no crime is. Again, something that's that's, uh, that, that's a really interesting. I'm going to put that app uh, on the show notes. People can go to uh, the show notes. Uh, it's episode 178. Just go to theappguy.co, search for the episode 178 with Dax Castro, and uh, we'll put uh, links to those. And there's also a report you can get on there with other guest-related uh, apps that, that have been mentioned on this, this series. So, Dax, it's uh, been a, a joyful uh uh, chat with you and uh we wish you all the best uh and when you do start your next kickstarter uh we'll look to help you in any way and uh, thank you very much for coming on uh the show here the app guy podcast well thanks a lot paul i really appreciate you taking the time uh i definitely love to share knowledge and anytime i can help somebody else not go through the struggles i have that's a good day well the best thing to do is ask you how, how to connect with you as well because i'm sure that you've inspired some people to perhaps reach out to you uh, well, my my the best way to get a hold of me is my email address, uh, which is dax at daxcastro.com. Pretty easy. Um, you can follow uh, myhometeachingapp.com on uh, on our website. We have links to both uh, Facebook and Twitter, and uh, I keep those pretty active. So um, again, they're mostly faith faith based posts, but definitely as I progress and launch new uh, new apps, there'll be more information there. 
Great. Well, Dax, thanks ever so much for sharing it, all the the ups and the downs of uh, going through your journey. And uh, I'm pretty sure that that app will uh, see the light of day, uh, especially with your eagerness behind it and uh, willingness to make it happen. So all all the best with with, um, everything you've got going on there. Well, thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcast 